Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome back, listeners, to the second installment in my Superman movie review series. Today I am reviewing Superman 2. This is your host, Corbin. And if you missed your guide for Superman 2, then that came out last week. That is the first link in the description below. Go ahead and listen to that. That gives you the box office, the production, because this movie had a very, very troubled production, which resulted in the director being fired and a completely different vision being put on screen. And finally, the original director's vision was released 26 years later. So you'll learn all about that in your guide to Superman 2. Go ahead and check that out and then come back here and listen to this. And we have all kinds of great stuff in the description below. Timestamps if you're ready to jump in, links to our social pages, uh, links to other reviews that I think you'll like to listen to after this one. So tons of great content down there. Don't miss it. And of course, no matter where you're listening, go ahead and give us a five-star rating. That really is a great free way to help us out. As I stated in the last episode, I have never seen Superman 2. I've actually never seen 2, 3, or 4. Now, I have seen Supergirl, which came out between 3 and 4. I watched that with my wife last year. And I have seen Superman Returns many, many times. I own that one on DVD. I've owned it for years. Um, and I did own the VHS for Superman the movie, but I never got to see any of the sequels. So this is my first time coming to these movies. So I'm pretty much a newbie, except for the first and the last installment in the Superman series. So I decided to go for the theatrical cut first. Watch that with my wife. I actually picked that up on DVD from Dollar Tree last year. And I thought, well, let's watch it the way it was presented to audiences. My wife was not happy with me. She fell asleep during it and she was really ready to be done with it. Now, granted, she had to get up at like five in the morning to go to work. But nevertheless, she wasn't pleased with this. And she already thought the last movie was boring. I'm going to save my thoughts for what I thought of the theatrical cut, but needless to say, she didn't return me for the Donner cut, which I'm going to say up front is a very different version, at least in my opinion. Now, I also do own the Donner cut that did come in a Blu-ray box set I got last year. It was on sale, all of the Superman movies and Batman movies for all nine movies for about 40 bucks. It was a great deal. So if this was back in 1981, I've been waiting, let's say I've been waiting about two and a half years um, which is shocking since they had most of the movie completed, but Lester, who took over, reshot most of it. We finally get a trailer. I finally get to see what Superman 2 is all about. There's a lot of action in this trailer. It's essentially an action showpiece. If there's any action in this movie, you're going to get to see it in the trailer. I think this trailer looks all right. I think they're really overplaying their hand. They're really trying to oversell this movie because there was a decent amount riding on this movie with how much problems they encounter during pre-production, and then even during production as well, they really wanted this to be a financial success. So in the trailer, it touts it as the best part. It says if you've seen the first part, then you still need to see the best part. 
So they were really pushing this movie as the highly anticipated sequel everybody was waiting for. And, you know, based on box office returns, that was probably true. As for me, would this get me into theaters opening weekend? Maybe, you know, I, I probably would go see it opening weekend, just being a fan of superhero movies and Superman, particularly, I would probably go at least opening weekend sometime within the first probably month of its theatrical run. Listeners, if you have not seen Superman 2 and you don't want the film spoiled for you, I believe it is streaming on HBO Max right now. Of course, it's readily available to pick up on physical or digital. So this movie is easy to get your hands on in both versions. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want it spoiled for you, go ahead and click pause right now, watch the film, and then come back and click play, and we'll be ready to talk about it. Superman accidentally releases General Zod and his minions where they wreak havoc upon planet Earth. Meanwhile, he falls in love with Lois Lane, finally revealing his true identity. But to love a mortal, he must become a mortal. Not immortal, a mortal. Ironically, this coincides with Zod taking over the United States, so Superman must regain his powers to stop Zod, save Lois once again, and all is right with the world. Except Lois and him can't be in love, so he erases her memory as credits roll. If a decent portion of this plot sounds familiar, that's because Zack Snyder decided with his Superman movie, Man of Steel, he would pit Clark Kent or Kal-El against Zod and his crew, and they would come to Earth. And some of their there are some similarities. I haven't watched Man of Steel in a really long time. Another one I picked up at Dollar Tree. But you can uh, tell that this was the movie I think Snyder wanted to do when he got his chance. My positives for this movie actually begin with the Lester cut here in Paris. This is not found in the Donner version. But there is some peril here. There is some, you know, some exciting way to start this movie where Lois is hanging under an elevator and they have to stop these terrorists from using a nuclear bomb on the Eiffel Tower. I will say I do have some negatives that precede this, but I want to start with the positives first and we'll kind of circle back to some stuff where this movie begins with that I wasn't thrilled about. But this is where I've started to feel the positive from this movie anyway, is with the Paris sequences. Um, it's it's fun. It's uh, Richard Griffiths, who is um, Uncle Vernon Dursley in the Harry Potter films. He is terrorist number three. Kind of fun to see a young version of him there. Um, it's a fun, lighthearted way to start Superman's first adventure. Of course, Lex Luthor escapes from prison in a hot air balloon, which is kind of ridiculous considering... A hot air balloon could easily be shot down. It is goofy. A lot of his stuff is goofy here, but I actually dig it. I'm, I'm finding that kind of fun. Of course, Lois's way of proving Clark as Superman is to jump from a great height and cause herself to either perish or be saved. It plays out differently in both versions. Um, Donner's original vision would have Lois jumping from the Daily Planet from Perry Mason's office. Uh, I, I don't... I don't think his name's Perry Mason. I think that was an old TV show. Perry White. That's it. Perry White. And Clark does some really fun antics to save her. It's a far better done in Donner's version, whereas in Lester's version, Clark essentially allows her to drown pretty much. And he shoots down a tree branch, which she clings on to. It's not as good. We also see Lois thinking about Clark being Superman a lot sooner, which I do appreciate her putting it together quicker in the Donner cut instead of her taking such a long time to figure it out in the Lester cut, which is something my wife always described as ridiculous considering 
they look pretty much the same except for a pair of giant glasses and the way they do their hair differently. I will say Zod and his crew, Non and Ursa, are the best thing about this movie by far. I don't really care for Non's constant dinosaur growling, which I think is tamped down a little bit in Donner's version, but they do have this great presence. They have this kind of the sinister but regal presence that I really think could have been better explored if Donner would have been given full control to begin with. But nevertheless, what we are given, I still really appreciate. And there is actually even a little bit more of them found in the Lester cut. If you want to spend a little bit more time with them, it is goofy, you know, modern day video game type stuff where you just go to a town and just destroy it. But nevertheless, um, I actually really like Ursa in her role. She has this great, you know, villainous stare that I love and their introduction on the moon while somewhat hokey them kicking the astronauts around is still really cool to just watch them pacing about on the moon with the earth and the sun in the background. It's a great introduction for our villains. Now I do like when Clark reveals himself to Lois as Superman. It's done very differently in both versions. Uh, Lois has more of an awe that I really appreciate comes out in her performance in the theatrical cut. Whereas in the Donner cut, uh, she shoots him in the hotel room until come to find out it's just blanks, but she faked him out, uh, which was pretty shocking. Um, the sequence, I think, in the Donner cut, I appreciate more. It feels more mature. There's a bit more chemistry going on. Lois is coming out of the shower in a towel trying to catch his attention. And um, I believe that scene probably uses some screen test footage um, because because Christopher Reeves' hair changes from really long to fairly short, um, cutting back and forth, which is very noticeable, but they did have to use screen test footage because they weren't, they didn't actually get to film um, certain sequences for this. And they do use some very low budget, but still modern visual effects to create visual effects that um, were missing in the cut as well. One of the things that surprised me, but I really did enjoy, um, despite the fight in the city being kind of lame because we've seen such awe-inspiring fights in modern superhero movies, but going back, it doesn't quite hold up. But Non and Superman fighting, we don't actually get to see them fight. We just get to see them fight underground and it shakes the whole earth and all the people above ground are like wobbling around. It's a funny scene. Um, I'm pretty sure Lester is the one that incorporated that. Now, Miss Tessmacher is a little bit more of a character in Donner's Cut. She is completely given the shaft pretty much in the Lester version, very much a afterthought they try and get rid of. Um, glad to see her back a little bit more. Superman is the one to destroy the Fortress of Solitude um, in the Donner Cut and the way he does it and has this really great ending dialogue with Lois in Antarctica. I appreciated that a lot more. Lois's aggressive fast food habits are also gone in the Donner cut, which I know some people liked Donner's, or excuse me, liked Lester's humor. A lot of Lester's humor is gone. Donner really didn't want to use much of what Lester shot because it really wasn't his vision. And I can understand that. Now, thankfully, they recut the opening. This is where my disappointments come in because we do get a Karate Kid replay opening um, in the theatrical cut, which is something... We talked about in those Karate Kid movies, go listen to our reviews. They didn't have home video back then. Their best bet of getting to see Superman 1 was watching it on TV. And it had been two and a half years. So we get kind of the greatest hits of the opening. That's gone in the Donner cut. 
The opening credits of this are also just really bad. They're a really bad knockoff of the first one. I think they've been restored to more of that prestige here in the Donner Cut. One of the things I thought was most dumb in the Lestered version was how Zod and his crew escape the Phantom Zone. In the Lester Cut, Superman flies the Eiffel Tower elevator nuclear bomb straight up into space, which blows up, releases them from the Phantom Zone. Instead, it's rectified in the Donner Cut for continuity purposes that I think were smart. When Superman um, steers the New Jersey nuclear bomb up into space, we never really get any result from that. Well, in the beginning of the Donner Cut, we see that nuclear bomb goes and hits the Phantom Zone and releases these three characters, which was how Donner wanted to end the first film. So... What you have to understand with the Donner cut is I would say the first five plus minutes at least is what would be considered the ending, the original ending of Superman one. That's how Donner wanted to end it, but he wasn't able to. So now we get to see you're, you're supposed to kind of, you know, blank out Superman flying backwards around the world to save Lois in the first film, blank all of that out. just cut that part out, and then you get to watch this and see how it all plays out. Superman does fly around the Earth at the end of this one, and that's how Donner always intended to end his duology. Not in the first one, just in the second one. So it doesn't happen twice, even though it seems that way. It just happens here in the second one. You know, some people really do dig the Lois and Clark stuff here, their dialogue. I, I really don't. I find it to be fairly bland, at least in the theatrical cut. It's streamlined. Uh, I think it's done a little bit better in the Donner version. One of the worst things is Jorel is missing in the theatrical cut. Uh, they cut all of Brando's stuff in order to not pay him. I think he is actually pivotal to the film because him and Clark have so many great father and son moments. Um, so many things that are key to the emotionality of the plot that are just gone in the theatrical cut. So it is great to see Marlon Brando's scenes restored. He has quite a few of them. He also talks about fulfilling the Kryptonian prophecy, the father becomes the son. There is just a bit more intricacy to this. It's not so basic as it is in the theatrical cut. So Jarrell is a much needed addition to the Donner cut. They replace him with kind of this generic bald Kryptonian. And even the mom comes back and has her few scenes, which are not included in the Donner cut. Circling back to Lois and Clark real quick. I, I just feel like the movie doesn't explain why they're in love, why they have this connection. I really feel like that's missing. And I do think it's a bit more present in the Donner cut, but I would have appreciated it going a little deeper. My ending of the theatrical cut, my thoughts on that is awful. Uh, it ends with Superman giving Lois an amnesia kiss. And then he, she forgets the whole thing. And then he flies with the American flag uh, to, you know, restore it back onto the top of some monument in Washington. I don't know. And they made toys and t-shirts of Superman flying with this American flag. It's kind of ridiculous, honestly. The director's cut greatly changes this. Superman does fly back in time, like I mentioned earlier. He undoes the entire events of the whole movie. I'm not pleased with the ending of the Donner cut whatsoever. Lois does have some, you know, deja vu and writes 
a funny story that says Superman takes the day off. The continuity is messed up, though, because the diner owner says it cost him a fortune to have his diner fixed, which, of course, wouldn't have happened if they would have flown back around the world. So all of so the entirety of Superman 2 is undermined when Clark just simply flies back in time. If you're going to fly back in time, the emotionality of it makes much more sense to literally lo resurrect Lois from the dead who dies. And, you know, once again, they didn't really have any time to get to know each other in the first one, except that little, you know, can you read my mind sequence. But this is really for no reason. I know a lot of horrible stuff happens, but, you know, Superman saves the day. And, of course, he goes through some traumatic experiences. It's just disappointing to see this is how he ends it. Now, if, you know, they would have unleashed some nuclear bombs all over the world, maybe that would make a bit more sense. Just a technical aspect here, um, the DVD looks awful. So if you're wanting to uh, upgrade, go for it. Uh, the Blu-ray does look a lot better. Also, my DVD said it was mastered in 5.1. I checked, it was in stereo. So the DVD cover was a lie. I hope it's not a bootleg. I don't think it is. One of the major differences you will notice um, audibly is John Williams does not return for the theatrical cut, but they do use John Williams' score for the Donner cut. Um, and I don't think he scored any new compositions for it. I think they just used his plethora of music he composed for the original film. And of course, you know, he had worked with them across the board. But Ken Thorne is here redoing the music. He redoes John Williams' score, which doesn't sound as good. It sounds like you're listening to your high school orchestra perform it. Unfortunately, Ken Thorne's score is just not as good. So it's great to see John Williams scoring back here for the Donner cut. Also, it's really, really dumb in the opening of this movie. Superman now doesn't even go into a turnstile. He just speed runs and changes outfits. It's hokey as can be. The flying effects on the theatrical cut, I would say, are laughable. They are vastly underdeveloped, I think. Gene Hackman's voice double is bad. I could clearly tell that is not Hackman's voice. It really doesn't sound much like him at all. One of the you know most underdeveloped parts of Superman 2 is not understanding why these criminals are being kicked off of Krypton. In the theatrical cut, you see them steal something and then they're immediately put in their hula hoop prison. But in the Donner cut, you, you don't see any of that whatsoever. So I really would have appreciated maybe if they're going to do more of a flashback, that's great. Give us something here as to why these people are banished to the Phantom Zone. That is pretty wicked to do that. There's just no good reason present in either versions of the film. One of the more controversial elements of both versions probably is Superman having to give up his powers. I think it's stupid nonsense, mostly in the theatrical cut. You know, if the movie didn't already have a reason to exist, it really doesn't after this point. Now, I know that's a controversial statement, it is kind of unique, um, what if type of scenario, but it's mostly boring and pathetic to watch, you know, Clark be this huge wimp for, you know, the second half of the movie. The Donner Cut does give a conversation with his dad that explains it better. There's more emotion to it. And you also, you know, realize more so the irony of the situation. So I still don't really like it it feels just a bit too kind of awkward and cumbersome but and and it's it's undone easily enough there's just not enough consequences 
Now, if this movie would have maybe progressed a year and Superman couldn't have saved the world and Zod and his crew really did take over, that would have been a plot worth watching. But the plot we're given here is such a simplistic one, it's hard to really justify, you know, being engaged in it. Of course, it's hokey to watch them zap, zap Mount Rushmore and it perfectly is their faces, which is dumb. That's changed in the director's cut to the Washington Mon Monument and obvious CGI recreation, but thankfully they changed that because that zapping Mount Rushmore was really dumb. Lex Luthor does disappear for the second act in the theatrical cut, comes back um, at the 87 minute mark in the movie. Luthor is underplayed, I think, in the theatrical cut. He has been given a bit more to do in the Donner cut, not a whole lot, but I wish he would have been ingratiated into it a little bit better. I do think it is a huge mistake also to not have Zod challenge Superman until 82 minutes into the movie. That is incredibly long time to go without our hero and villain realizing each other. And once they do finally get together, the ending battle is pretty lame. I've already talked about how there's not a lot of energy to it. And of course, Superman pulls a Loki in the theatrical cut, multiplying himself. That's gone in the Donner cut. And by that point, I really just want the movie to be over because in my opinion, it is really overstaying its welcome. And there's very little for me to appreciate here in the theatrical cut. I, whereas I don't quite that feel that way in the director's cut. Listeners, I'm going to do something a little bit unique here. I'm going to be giving two rating and recommendations, one for the theatrical and one for the director's cut. So to begin with, Richard Lester's theatrical version is a jarring departure from what Donner set up in Superman the movie. To me, it's kind of like when Ryan Johnson made a sequel to J.J. Abrams' The Force Awakens. You can tell there's not a cohesive vision. I was bored with Lester's version. Some of the comedy works, but by and large, it's a nonsensical journey with, once again, very little consequence. I'll never return to this version unless to watch and compare with my kids someday, but having no nostalgia for this probably ruined it for me. Superman 2 The Lester Cut receives 3 stars out of 10 with a strong not recommend. Richard Donner's Superman 2 is the epic conclusion set up in the first movie. This really does feel more like a part 2 than Lester's Wild Departure. Despite recutting the film 26 years later, thankfully Donner is able to make it work as a cohesive vision. A lot of my issues with a the theatrical cut are gone. There's such a marked improvement, it's astonishing. It's even 12 minutes shorter. Listeners, let this be the only cut you watch for Superman 2. I think you'll highly enjoy it over the theatrical. Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut, receives 7 stars out of 10 with a solid recommend. So my thoughts out of the theater, if I saw this back in 1981, personally, if I would have saw it as an adult, let's just say I would have been an adult, I would have felt short shrifted. I would have felt shortchanged. That's not really what I was promised in Superman 1. This is too different for me to go along with. Now, I have heard a lot of people that saw Superman 2 as kids highly enjoyed it. They enjoyed it better than the first one, which makes a little bit more sense because this one is funnier, it's a little bit shorter, and it has more action. Whereas the first one was more of a straightforward drama, more of an epic retelling of the Moses story in some ways. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see it as a kid, so I can't bring my perspective from that. I just can bring people's perspective that I know have seen this as a kid do still enjoy it all these years later. 
Personally, I would pass on the theatrical cut, adding that to my collection if I hadn't bought it already. Of course, the completionist in me wants to have both versions. Not not more so the completionist. I would say more so the preservationist. I want to preserve both cuts of the film. And I do. Um, and I'm glad I own the Donner cut. If, if I ever rewatch this movie, it's going to be the Donner cut, which I can see myself doing. So other recommendations I have for you. If you want to essentially live out playing as Zod, I think your best bet is to play Destroy All Humans. They did recreate that video game not that long ago for the PlayStation and Xbox. I own it. It's a lot of fun. Check that out. I'm also going to be recommending Zack Snyder's Justice League. To me, this is very much kind of the same thing as what happened with Joss Whedon's, you know, theatrical cut of Justice League. It's just pretty much night and day different from Snyder's. Now, I will say, comparing the Snyder cut to the Donner cut, Snyder's is four hours long, and it is vastly, I would say it's essentially a completely different film than what we got with the Whedon version. So it's not quite as, com not quite as comparable, but it's close. I'm also going to be recommending the movie Brazil. I just showed that to Alan uh, last year, I believe. Brazil is also one of those movies where the European cut is about two and a half hours long. It's the full, fully realized version. Whereas the happy ending cut, which came out in America, had about an hour trimmed out of it. So it's only about 90 minutes long. Those are two also very different versions of the same movie. With Superman 2 being a success, Superman 3 was greenlit. No surprise there. And it would hit theaters two days shy of two years. So audiences didn't even have to wait two full years between sequels, which is, you know, pretty good. Richard Lester is back in full control, I believe. Um, Donner did not return. He was not welcome back. They did want Lester back, though. So I'm expecting this to be more in the vein of his theatrical cut of Superman 2. I know Richard Pryor is in Superman 3, and I've heard it's a big comedy. It does have some pretty bad scores, so I'm worried what we ha I have in store for myself next week. I'm hoping it's more so it's so bad that it's good. I definitely have that hope for Superman 4, but nevertheless, we're going to find out together next week. So listeners, the question after the show, which is superior, the theatrical cut or the Richard Donner cut? You know my opinion, it's a huge difference for me. The Richard Donner cut is the only way to go, and I'm really grateful Warner Brothers gave him that opportunity to recut the film a quarter of a century later. Here's to hoping that David Lynch will recut Dune someday. I highly doubt it, but never say never. Well, listeners, thank you for coming along with me on my review of Superman 2. Fun to review both versions of the film. I am looking forward to checking out Superman 3. I know that there's like a clone of Superman in that one. I saw bits and pieces on TV. I just remember there being a clone. Curious to see uh, where that one goes. A little, a little worried, but a little excited. So go ahead and check that movie out before next Monday when my review drops for that film. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss the release of that episode. Make sure to share with your family and friends. We love talking about movies and we love talking about them with you. And we'll see you next week with Superman 3. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube 
Facebook and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.